Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how we struggle through life when we forget that God is great and we are not in control. We can rest in His greatness. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, so good to be with you today. Glad that you're here. And uh, yeah, it's, we're starting a new series today, and it's called The Four Gs, and four eternal truths about God that we're going to be focusing on for the next four weeks. And I'm so excited about this series. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. I've talked about it before, so if it sounds a little bit familiar... That's good. I actually hope that you can internalize this because it, it can change a lot for us if we really do grab onto it. Uh, before we jump in too much today, I want to just start with a little pop quiz. You guys ready for a pop quiz? All right, first question. Jesus came to set us free from sin and wants us to live in freedom and peace. If you believe that's true, raise your hand. Okay, all right. Second question. I regularly feel like a disappointment to God. I am used to guilt and shame. Raise your hand if you believe that. that's, that's true for you. It's true for me. Yeah, we often feel like a disappointment to God, even though we know maybe what the word says, we know the scripture. Because um, I think if we're honest, most Christians struggle. We feel like um, maybe God's disappointed. Maybe we've just sinned or we've messed up too many times and we've tried to get better at it, but we keep coming back to the same cycle of sin. We fall into habits and we all have things about us that we don't like, that we'd like to change, and we're pretty sure that God is disappointed in us. And if you feel that way, you're in the right place because we are gonna spend some time unpacking uh, some truths about God and why so many of us struggle to change, why we struggle to move beyond where we're at. Because we want to change, we want to become more like Jesus, we want to reflect him more and more, but for many of us, we're tripped up and we're stuck and we're getting a rut and we don't know how to get out. And the reason why many of us are stuck is because we don't realize that um, our behaviors come from a very deep place. Our behaviors come from a place of belief, our heart. That's where we decide how we're going to live, and our behaviors all flow from that. So we're going to be in this series for the next few, few weeks and um, looking at Scripture that reminds us the truths of God. Now, there are more than four things, four truths about God, but these are four Gs. God is great, God is glorious, God is good, thank you, and God is gracious, and these four realities can radically change the trajectory. of. If we're serious about being disciples or making disciples, we have to know these truths and really embody them. I want to give credit to the guy who wrote the book, The Four Gs, Tim Chester. He's an author, theologian, pastor, thinker. And uh, his book, You Can Change, is excellent. If you want to check that out, you can go deeper into this stuff. Um, but we're going to be just moving through um, these ideas kind of at our own pace. And, um, and the thing is, we have everything we need to overcome sin right here in the Bible. Like we have the truth of God's word and we read it. Many of us read it. So if we have it and we read it, how can we don't change? How come we're still hung up in sin? How come we can't overcome the, the, the things in our lives that we, we want to change, but we just can't? 
And I'm willing to argue that it's because we have not let it sink into here. We know truth, we have knowledge, and we often read scripture, we, we read daily, oh, you know, and we buzz through so, much, so many chapters, and we don't slow down enough to let it sink in. See, we have to let it sink in. We, don't, we typically don't think on truth long enough to change the operating system of the heart. It's like your phone, you need an update, right? You need a new operating system and we don't, we don't take enough time to download into our heart what we need to apply so that we can change the behaviors. We just oftentimes say, well, you know, and I hear this in churches all the time, well, you just need to be better. Can't you just do better than that? Like, you're still sinning? Like, can you just stop that? And, and we're like, we beat up on people all the time and we try to just say, we just need to white knuckle, put more effort in, you know? And just read the Bible more, just pray more, just come on, suck it up. And, and now there is effort. We do resist temptation. We do put in effort to follow Jesus. But so much of what we're trying to change, we haven't addressed at the heart level. We haven't gone to the deep parts of, why am I acting this way? Why am I doing these things? And it's because it comes back to the heart. So what we're trying to get at is freedom from sin. We're trying to get to a place where we actually believe what's true about God and we believe what's true about us and we're set free from the power of sin. Sign me up for that. Like that's what I want in my life. I don't want to just try to white knuckle it or be better. I want to actually believe what's true and then let that flow into my behavior. See, Jesus talked a lot about the heart. He says uh, it comes from the heart. He regularly challenged the Pharisees. If you've read the Gospels, any of the Gospels, you'll see Jesus interact with a religious group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees loved to have it all together. Man, they had their robes and they had their, their bracelets and you know, all their stuff and their prayer shawls and they were just, they were hot stuff. And they paraded around and they kind of wanted everybody to notice them when they'd show up places. And Jesus just did not have time for those guys. I mean, he talked to them. But he regularly challenged him. He says, you guys are dead on the inside. And if it's, a, you know, Jesus was pretty blunt with the Pharisees. He didn't mince words with them. Uh, he got into some name calling a little bit. We're going to see that in a minute when I read this passage. But um, he challenged them because he knew that the heart is the most important thing. All your outward stuff, your behaviors, comes from the inner parts of who you are, what you believe, your heart. Matthew 22, this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees, one of his interactions with them. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, the fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, he's calling them names. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So Jesus used something as simple as a tree. We understand trees. We have trees. That a healthy tree produces good fruit. Oh, there's an apple that I want to eat. Produces something healthy. Bad trees produce bad fruit. This is a, a graphic of something that we use here at Missio. We call it fruit to root. It's tracing fruits back to the root. Like, why, why do things show up in my life? So the tree on the left, you see at the top, it says, I don't know if you guys can read it, it's a little fuzzy, but it says, desire for control, fear, anxiety, worry. 
Not good things, right? Things that Jesus told us not to do. Those were commands. And he said, don't do all those things. And we say, okay, well, then I'm just going to jump right over to the other tree and I'm going to have peace and joy and love and I'm just going to be better, right? Instead of saying, well, why is that fruit there in the first place? Well, if you work your way down the tree trunk from those things on, on the left, it says, well, who am I? The first question, well, I believe I need to be in control. That's, that's why that's showing up. Well, what has God done? I believe he has stopped loving me. I believe he's checked out on me. He's lost control. He's abandoned me. And go down a little further. Uh, who is God? He is unloving. He's not powerful. He's absent. And when we start to believe all those things, that's what produces the fruit of worry and anxiety and fear. When we believe lies about who God is. But if we repent and we say, that's not true. That's a lie. I come over here and then I say, who is God? Well, he is love. He is powerful. He is in control. He is present. Go up another one. What has he done? Jesus died for me. He rose from the grave. I have the spirit of God living inside of me. Go up one more. It says, who am I? I am loved. I'm not alone. I am more than a conqueror through him who's with me. And so at the, the fruit then is peace, joy, love. And those things show up in our lives when we believe what's true about God and about ourselves. And so if you were here last week and you saw the circle, this is actually the exact same thing with just a different graphic. Same four questions, same process of repentance and believing the truth. I know that's probably a lot, but I just want you to begin to think about that. What is the thing behind the thing? If I have certain patterns of of sin in my life or or habits or hangups, why are they there? Take the time to reflect back a little bit. Well, I'm believing something that's probably not true if I can't get over that. And again, just white knuckling it isn't gonna do it. So Jesus talked a lot about the heart. The, the whole Bible talks a lot about the heart. The writer to Hebrews, Hebrews 3 said, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Make sure that your hearts aren't evil and unbelieving, turning you away from God. Isn't that interesting? And then Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. So the Bible says that your heart, where your heart goes, then your whole life is going to follow. And I think of it a little bit like uh, GPS. We went on a trip here a few years back, and this was like, oh, it was more than a few years back. We were going to a Vikings game in Minneapolis, and uh, this is when, you know, smartphones, we had the... the yeah, Apple Maps, and, and Apple Maps was horrible back then. And we typed in, and we were going to go to this sporting goods store to get some merch so that we could have the jerseys and show up to the game and look like we were, you know, real fans and everything. And so we go to this store, and we're driving, and I, it was like 15, 20 minutes, and pretty soon it says we're getting closer and closer, but we're in a residential neighborhood. And we pull up to this apartment building, and you have arrived at your destination. I said, I don't think so. That is not Dick's Sporting Goods. That is some apartment building. And so we changed to a different app. I think it was Google Maps. Took us a completely different direction to a different place. And there was the store, like magically appeared. And so what I found out is that not all information is equal. And I had bad information. And when I, when I put my trust and my faith in that GPS, it led me astray. And that's what our hearts can do. If we put the wrong information and we start to believe lies, we believe the wrong things, 
It will take us somewhere where we don't want to go. It will take us somewhere spiritually that we don't want to end up. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. Don't be evil and unbelieving. You're going you're gonna to drift away from God if you believe things that are not true. Our hearts can take us places we don't want to go. So the first truth, the first G, is that God is great. God is great. So what? Uh, we use that word all the time in our culture. We use the word great. Does it carry much meaning to us? I don't know. You know, uh, that supper was great. You coming over to my house this weekend? Great. You know, that's my friend Larry. He's the greatest, you know. I don't know. Like, does that mean much to us? Probably not. But the Bible says that God is truly great and no one is like him. And so we, we throw that word all around a lot. It doesn't mean much to us. But I want us to just ponder for a little bit this morning. If we can just slow down and think about how awesome, how great God is. Psalm 145, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. So whatever the greatness scale is, there's no, God can't be measured on it. Like he's beyond it. If we're thinking about greatness, um, I got to go to like space, right? I'm not like a super spacey NASA guy, but some of you maybe are into studying that. Um, but I did come across some things that were pretty impressive, okay? So the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, not hour, second. So this is crazy fast, right? That's the speed of light. If you travel at the speed of light, it will take you 4.3 years to get from here to the nearest star, right? And it takes you 100 100,000 years to get across our galaxy. Not 100 years, not 1,000 years, 100,000 years going at 186,000 miles per second to get across our galaxy. And scientists believe that there are over 100 billion galaxies. Like, anybody feel really small right now? Like, God made all of this. God is great. And if we can just slow down a little bit and ponder, like God made all the stars and look at what it says in Psalm 33, 6. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. So all the stars and those, all those galaxies, he spoke them into being. I've never spoke anything into being, Right? Have you? I don't know how to make a star. I don't know how to speak and make something. But God does this. He breathes a word and things just happen. And this is the God that we worship. Psalm 147 says he counts the stars and he calls them by name. So not only did he make them, he didn't just go blah and stars. He actually knows each and every one and he has a name for it. And he doesn't forget the names. Have you ever like looked up at the sky and tried to count the stars? Like, legit, have you guys ever done this? I've done it, I'm like, okay. And, and, and like, you don't get very far, and you're like, I just give up. You know, I don't have a very, you know, long attention span anyway, but like, it's hard, you can't do it, and we can't even see them all. But God breathed them into existence, knows them by name. This shows how great our God is. And he holds it all in his hand. You say, okay, well, that's space. What about this world? Well, God holds this world together too. So all the nations of the world, we, we, we read the news and we see politics and we say, well, 
man, there's all this crazy stuff and our world is just chaos. And I, I hear people talk about this a lot, current events and politics. And, and the Bible says that God holds all that in his hand too. That he is sovereign. He is in control. And we may hear things in the news or we may see some you know, crazy government or some dictator or somebody you know, doing awful things to people and it grieves us and we're saddened by it and we should care. But it doesn't mean that God's up in heaven oh, I've lost control of the world. I, I don't know what to do. And he's not wringing his hands trying to figure out what to do next. He's not surprised. We may not understand why God allows certain things to happen in the world. I mean, Job, we talked a lot about that. But God is still in control. Look at what it says. We come back to his word. Psalm 33. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. No one can stop him. He's gonna do what he wants to do. God is in control, and that is good for us. That's good news for us. Uh, Another way that we see his greatness is through the weather. We live in North Dakota. We have some bad weather sometimes, although this has been a pretty awesome winter, can't complain, but I like to complain (laughs) about the weather usually. It's too snowy, it's too cold. I've had trips canceled, like we're going to fly out of town and, oh, flight's delayed, flight's canceled, or, you know, interstate's closed, and and we think, oh, what's going on? God, is this, you know, what's, he's in control of the weather. And by the way, we see this uh, in the Bible, Jesus had to kind of show his disciples Wish I could have been there to see this, but um, this is one example of, of him just speaking to the weather. This is what he says in, in Mark chapter four. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and he said, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's who God is. He is great. But we probably don't slow down enough to reflect on that, do we? And we just kind of run around and live our lives as if we're in control and we're really not. So can we just pause for two questions here of discussion? The first one is this. Why is it easy to know the truth, but a lot harder to let it sink into our hearts? And I would say, why is it easy to know the truth about God, but a lot harder to let it sink into our hearts? What do you guys think? I think it's like the difference between empathy and sympathy that we discussed. Whereas sympathy is kind of a no effort. You can just read a book and get a truth. Kind of a surface level. Yeah, but in order for it to be in your heart, you have to actually put work into it and think about it. Yeah, it takes effort. Yeah, that's harder. Yeah, we have to, we can't just, yeah, it's not just a surface level thing. It actually requires some effort. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, and going to church, reading the Bible is great, but we want to let it sink into here so it actually changes the way that we operate, the way that we behave, and the way that we believe, right? Second question, can you think of some examples of how resting in God's greatness changes our behaviors? When we choose to rest in his greatness, how does that change our behavior? Yeah, help relieve stress. Sounds good to me. What else? As Paul in Philippians 4, I've known what it is to have want, and I've known what it is to have everything, but in any circumstance, I've learned to be content. Contentment. Because Jesus is the strength that he mm-hmm. relies on. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking about going up and picking up a car. He's talking about living life. Yeah, I want to be content. That sounds pretty good to me. Any other thoughts? His promises. Resting in word promises. That right there for me really changes the way I see Yeah, resting in his promises. How does that change our behavior? Do we stop doing certain things? Start doing certain things? Yeah. Yeah, and it all comes back to the heart. What do we believe to be true? Not just know. We need to know it. But it's got to come here and to be in our heart, right? So it leads us into the next thing. I'm not in control. So God is great, so I don't have to be in control because I'm really not anyway. Can we just all say I'm not in control? Can we say that together? I'm not I'm, in does that feel good? Or maybe you kind of want to hold on to it a little bit. Like, I want to be in control. Because what happens is when, when we realize that we're not sovereign, that we're not in control... Sometimes we react negatively. Like we try to manipulate outcomes. We try to dominate people. We try to get frustrated and angry and because we, we try to grab on. We say, no, I want to be in control because I think I know what's best and I think I can steer this better than anyone else, including God, which is crazy talk, right? When we think about it, Jesus always knew it came back to faith and to matters of the heart. Look at what he says in Luke 12. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Oh, you of little faith, and do you not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried? For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. He says, hey, trust your Father in heaven. He's got it. He's in control. You can't make your life longer. You can't add an hour to your life. You can't do that. Then why worry about everything else? It's, it's counterproductive. Jesus says not to be anxious. He said that a lot. Actually, if you read through the Gospels, uh, fear not, do not fear, do not be anxious. Those weren't just suggestions. Like he, It was a command because he knows that those are sinful things. They produce a life that is not what God intends for us. He wants us to rest in him and to have peace in him. Author Tim Chester said, we sin 
because we believe the lie that we are better off without God, that his rule is oppressive, and that we will be free without him, that sin offers more than God. Isn't that interesting? We believe that we're better off without God, and we probably would never say that outright, but we live that way. Yeah, I think I know what's best for me. I'm a pretty good, done a pretty good job of running my life, you know, and we think, ah, God, I don't really need you here. See, when you think about God's sovereignty, him being in control, oftentimes we want to go to a theology or a theological debate, and it's like, that's fine, but it's got to come back to how does this affect my everyday life? I love theology, but I like practical theology because all theology should impact how I'm living out my day-to-day existence. See, I can live in a fantasy world where I think I'm in control of everything and I'm calling all the shots, or I can come to the reality of God's word and say, well, he created the stars and he oversees the governments of the world and he you know, commands the weather and, and yeah, he gives me free choice, but God's in control. I don't have to be uh, the God of my life. One of the things that's challenging for me Um, as I prepare a message each week and and get up here to preach, is that I'm a a human. Like, I'm 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 just like you. I'm trying to grow to be more like Jesus, and I'm a work in progress. And uh, sometimes I feel like when I stand up here, you guys look at me and think, oh, he's got it all figured out, and it's so easy for the preacher. Um, So I'm, I'm writing this sermon this week, thinking about the greatness of God. God is great. I don't have to be in control. Okay. Well, I had a little bit of an object lesson happen, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. So um, my son bought a car a few weeks back, and we're kind of going through a process with vehicles where we need to get rid of a couple old cars and probably consolidate down and get something a little newer, a little more reliable. So I was looking on Facebook Marketplace, and Wednesday morning, I, I saw this thing pop up. It just came on the, on the market, and it was this, this pickup, and it was like less than half of what book value is, like I'm like, this has got to be wrong. And I, I messaged the guy and I'm like, hey, uh, let me come look at it. And, and uh, you know how you get the little indicator when they've seen your message, like a little like picture of them or check mark, I can't remember what it is. But you can tell when they've seen the message. Well, didn't reply. And I'm like, okay. And so I prayed. I'm like, God, like, can you like, help me out here? Can we just get this vehicle? I think this would be good. I'm like having this little conversation, trying to win him over to my agenda, you know, and and so I'm praying about it, and I'm thinking, God knows our needs. He knows we need a different vehicle, and that's cool. And so I messaged the guy about four or five times throughout the day, politely, but trying to just nudge my way to the beginning. You know, I figured he had a lot of messages. Probably a lot of people were trying to buy it. Come the end of the day, 6 o'clock, and it changes from for sale to sold. And I never got a message, never got a confirmation from him, and I'm ticked. Like, I'm angry. I'm furious. And I'm, I'm like why don't you reply? Just tell me it's sold. You know, and I'm mad at the guy. And then I'm thinking, why am I really mad? I'm really mad because God didn't give me what I wanted. And I had to just sit there for a minute and be like, God is great. I don't have to be in control. How does that apply to this situation on Facebook Marketplace with a vehicle? And what I had to come down to is say, God didn't want me to have that vehicle. There was nothing more I could do to get that car. I tried to get it. I couldn't get it. And hey, I can rest in the fact that God is sovereign and he knows what he's doing and maybe he didn't want me to have that for some reason that I don't understand. I can trust him with that. And that's the story. And it's like, 
so I'm, I'm writing this sermon and I'm thinking, oh, I'm having to apply this in real time. But that's what we do. We're control freaks, aren't we? I am. I, I say, okay, I, I'm surrendered to you, God, like living for you. And the next thing you know, I'm on Facebook Marketplace telling him what I want him to do. Come on, God, give me this vehicle. Let's hurry up, snap, snap. Like, and it just doesn't work that way. He's the God of the universe. We're not. We just need to remember that. And life goes so much better when we do. And we begin to live by faith and by trust that God knows I'm, I'm gonna need a new vehicle. He'll take care of that. I can rest in that. And guess what? It'd probably be a better situation than whatever I tried to conjure up, right? But we try to control everything in our lives. We do this at all, all the time. And, and we try to control family members. We try to control our spouse. We try to control our work situations. We try to control our finances. And, and we just try to manage everything to death. And we just need to let go. See, lack of feeling in control often produces anxiety and even a sense of fear. Because we realize I'm really, you know, not getting to what I want. And Jesus modeled this so perfectly for us in, in Matthew 6. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are the words of Jesus. Right before he was about to go to the cross and be killed. He said, I trust you, Father. This is what you want. You know what you're doing. You're in control. I'm not. Two more questions for discussion before we close. The first one is this. Why is it so easy to believe the lie that we know better than God? Why do, why, why do why is it so easy to believe that lie that we know what's better than it? It's easier. Yeah, why is it easier? Been doing it for so long, yeah. Oh, I know how to do this. Yeah, I know how to be in charge of me. You get an immediate answer, that's for sure. You get an immediate answer, yeah. Because you don't have to wait. God might say, yeah, just hang out. Just give it some time. And we're like, no, I want instant results. When I'm in control, I get instant results. That's absolutely true. How about the second question? What are the hardest areas of your life to give over to him, to give up control of. You guys heard mine, Facebook Marketplace. That was my, <laughs> so did someone say? Your future? Say that again. Desires, yeah, things we want, yep. Give up control of the things that maybe we want the most. What else? everything <laughs> life in general yeah we like to be in charge yeah and if we're not in charge someone else has got to be in charge so who's that going to be not just anyone right it comes down to a trust issue totally it's all about trust See, Jesus invites us to a better way. He says the invitation is for you to know the truth and the truth to set you free, to believe it in your heart and to live in a way that you're not stuck in the same habits of sin over and over and over and over again. 
says, I came to set you free. Why do you keep going back to the bondage by believing lies? See, it's an illusion that we can truly be in control of our lives. Really, the choice that we have is do we trust God or not? Do we believe what the word says about him or not? We try to manage everything. When we try to be in control, that's when the sinful behaviors come. We're trying to be doing the job that God is there to do. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Do you know how many times I have to tell myself that in a week? Because it keeps coming back over and over and over. And these are little catchphrases that I hope you can grab onto and repeat. Tell yourself, tell your friends, like people in your life. It's good news, you guys. God is great. I don't have to be in control. Because I'm really not anyway. <laughs> it's just an illusion. So what's the thing for you today? You're here and maybe there's something in your life you're saying, I can't give up control of that. I, I need to be in control of that. I don't quite trust God with my finances or with my relationships or with my future or with my job. What is it? What's that thing that you need to say, God, okay, you've got this. You said you're great. Your word tells me it's true. and You can be trusted. And it's that act of surrender, saying, God, I'm not going to carry this anymore. It's for you. Jesus is standing here inviting you to give that to him. What is that thing in your life? And I don't know what it is. Maybe God's speaking to you even in this moment saying, you need to just let go. You need to stop trying to be in control of everything. And I believe that when we get to that point and when we release those things, that's when we start to see change. That's when we start to live in the freedom and the peace and the victory that Jesus intended for us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us and you love us enough to correct us, to challenge the lies that we've bought into, that we've believed. And Lord, that you want to rewire the way that we think. You want to change our operating system to, um, to believe the truth of your word. God, we thank you for these four eternal truths about you that are all throughout the Bible. And this one especially, God, you are great, so we don't have to be in control. And how freeing that is when we can truly let go. And we can trust you with what you said you will do. We believe your promises. And so Lord, meet us where we're at today and help us just to release those areas that we're still trying to control, those things that we don't want to let go of. Help us to, to release those to you and to surrender, Jesus. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your greatness. And we thank you for your love that you don't want us to stay stuck where we're at, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Jesus came to set us free from sin and wants us to live in freedom and in peace. Behaviors come from a place of belief our heart. We don't typically think on truth long enough to change the operating system of our hearts. Lack of feeling in control often produces anxiety and even a sense of fear. God is great, so we don't have to be in control or try to be in control. Discussion questions. Why is it easy to know truth, but a lot harder to let it sink into our hearts? Can you think of some examples of how resting in God's greatness changes our behaviors? 
Why is it so easy to believe the lie that we know better than God? That sin offers more than Him? What are the hardest areas of your life to give up control of? Thanks for listening, Missio family. We'll see you again next week.